Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Problematic Fave Podcast. My name is Dino Ray Ramos, and for this episode, we have a legend, an acting legend, a comedy legend, an Asian-American legend, a queer legend. We have the wonderful Margaret Cho, and we are discussing the Flower Drum Song movie. I was skeptical, of course, but after watching it, y'all will be surprised. I, I really stress i if you want you know you could stop the podcast right now watch it on prime video and then return and then listen to our conversation so we hope you enjoy it and don't forget please email us your problematic phase at this is diaspora at gmail.com and follow us wherever you know you subscribe to your podcast thanks and enjoy the show finding the right woman is a responsibility that rests on my shoulders Mimi, you are not prepared to honor your proposal of marriage? Who said anything like that? I just want to settle some old business first. Your aunt has been talking to me about choosing a bride for you. I came here to get married. The main thing is for a woman to be successful in her gender. This is not China, this is a different world. And here a man has a right to choose his own wife. And nothing's changed. Nothing's changed? You're going to marry her? That's the only thing that's changed. You see what happens when you leave it to young people to fall in love naturally? You and your American plan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Problematic Fave podcast. I want to welcome our guest this week, a wonderful stand-up comedian, ad- activist, advocate, blazer of trails, drag race guest judge, actor who can be seen in many a film and TV series, including the recent Fire Island and Disney Plus's Prom Pact, Good Trouble, Doogie Kamaloha, flight attendant, hags, ladies and gentlemen, and all genderqueer people, please welcome the wonderful Margaret Cho. Hi. Oh, Hi. Yay. Hi. Hi. I love you. I'm glad to see you. Glad to see you again. Even though we're right now on opposite coasts, technologies right. is connecting us. Incredible. <laughs> but- um, but, um, Margaret, how are you right now? How are you, you know, emotionally, mentally in the moment? You know, don't hold back. Where Where are you at? How are you feeling right now? I'm doing good. Um, I am, uh, uh, you know, dealing with a broken robot litter box. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> but I just went on an hour-long walk with my dog, which actually is great. We just had gay pride here, which was incredible. Nice. So I was the grand marshal of that, which was such Congrats. a huge honor. And, um, you know, so the macros of gay pride and getting my exercise really good, the the micro-aggressions of my litter box, not good. But everything else, it's in general really great. <laughs> good good um and are, are you like you're go- you're on tour right now are you in on, like in the middle yes. of a tour or about to because you're like kind of having dates and then you come back to la and have more dates how is the tour going yes it's going great it's um been an incredible journey to be able to get out there and go on the road again it's been you know since before the pandemic so it's kind of like weird to not do a huge i mean i did some dates in between but to go on a big scale tour, this was like, you know, something I haven't done for quite some years. So this is a really, really nice thing. And um, the next leg of it is actually through some pretty interesting places like Jacksonville, all through Florida. And um, mm. the, the, 
the Carolinas, <laughs> which I think is so interesting. So it's like the people really need the queer message. They need um, activism. They need the truth. And so it's a really powerful thing to be able to go do. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, before we get into it all, I, I you know, I, I've admired your career for so long. You know, you've had such a great career. You, you know, I love to see you in Fire Island and all these kind of like varied projects, but it's very still you. And, 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 and but like when it comes to stand up, how has that been, especially now, you know, with I hate the term, but like this kind of cancel culture and all the mm. these things that come with comedy, how it's changed, how people refuse to make it change. And or how has that space been? And like even going to these cities where your kind of type of comedy isn't like popular or accepted. It's but so needed. I still go to you, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's so necessary. Yeah. You know, it's more the 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 issue of just traveling and mm -hmm. going through. Um, and going out, like I, I was at the hotel uh, in um, Tampa and I looked to a car like that was kind of by my car getting the valet out. And there was a Jeep that was filled with Trump girl, Trump 2024, um, oh. DeSantis promo, you know, and stuff. But then it was this Trump and Pence 2020 thing that they had crossed out the Pence, oh. which I think is so funny. I really laughed because it's like she's being real specific about what she's into. So um, it's really it's, you know, really interesting to see the culture around it, you know, and this idea that they're somehow protecting children by hating gay people. That mm. to me has never made any sense. Mm. You know, like yeah. what, is, what a, if you want to protect children, you need to get rid of guns. That seems to be exactly. the most obvious solution. So. um it's just interesting to see that like mentality and the open carry gun thing yeah. is just very bizarre to me. Um, I just don't understand it, but I just uh, do my shows. It's very exciting. It's it's like this audience that really needs this message of hope and possibility mm -hmm. that we can get over this, that we can get through this, this homophobia, this hatred, this racism, um, this sexism, this anti-trans rhetoric, all this stuff. So I think that there's, a through line is hopefulness and optimism, but it's quite scary too. You know, yeah. when you see the all of the gun stuff to me is like that's the most alarming because it's the most direct threat to our own safety. And of course, the um, terrible anniversary of of the Pulse, Pulse shooting yeah. just happened, and yeah, so seven years ago, where forty nine of us were murdered in 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 a in a moment at a gay bar, which is a place that we are all very safe at, that we consider yeah. home. Gay bars have long been this place that we've felt secure in in a hostile world, and now that's even taken away. So it's a very yeah. treacherous time, but we have to have some optimism and hope throughout it. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you said that, you know, and I know you, you host the GLAAD Media Awards. I do work with GLAAD, you know, and, and, and just kind of like, it's kind of like everyone doesn't want us to be who we are, but it's like also we have to say no to that and do it louder, you know, do it, you know, and just yeah. kind of uh, and and take advantage of the, the spot right now. Because 
like what you were saying, like going to gay clubs or gay spaces, not just even clubs or bars, but like spaces, period, where there are gay bodies attending or queer bodies attending mm-hmm. this an event. It's so it's sad to say I was in here in New York right now at Tribeca and then like watching a queer film. I was watching, you know, the Luke Evans, Billy Porter gave divorce drama. It was giving mm-hmm. like queer Kramer versus Kramer, like kind of, <laughs> kind of energy. <laughs> But I, I love it. I loved it. But, but I was just like sitting there and but the pot in my head go, it's like, oh, oh, wow. What if someone just comes in here? You know, yeah. no, you know, to, to, you know, it, I, I hate thinking like that, but I, I'm like, oh, I have to know where the exit is. I, that's where yeah, I've absolutely. come to the point. Yeah. And it's scary. I and mean, we've got yeah. to, we've got to be safe. I, it's so scary. You're right. Mm-hmm. That's it. I, you know, when I was riding in the car, um, for gay pride and then going down the street when there's a balloon pop, oh, I wow. duck down, uh-huh. you know, it's like any loud noise I'm shaking and it's like a very, it's a real threat. It's like now it's gone from the surreal to the absolutely real, but it's been like that for a while. So, you know, we have to remain vigilant, of mm-hmm. course, but the answer is not more guns, which yeah. is like. The right solution is more guns, less drag, which is that. No, I'm like, no, more drag, more, more gender drag, affirming let's... care, <laughs> more humanity, more, yeah. more human rights. But no, it's and I think that it, it, I, I, I love, you know, I love the work, you know, that you do. And then I, I, I just kind of I recognize that there are a lot of issues but i'm like all trying to maintain that hope is so difficult sometimes right it like is. It, 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 it's very like but it's like i'll it, it hates to say it, but it's like oh well we've been through similar situations before and we've survived but you know it seems like it's just like girl it's getting exhausting <laughs> it is getting exhausting but we've been through much worse yeah and not only survived but uh really came out on top always we're tops uh-huh. We're yeah. just tops. Yeah, we're tops. We're, we're, we're very top. Um, uh, but okay, well, you know, not to bring the mood down, you know, but also it's a hopeful mood. That's a hopeful mood. I want to yeah. say. Yeah, uh, it's a hopeful mood. But yeah, but like, so Margaret, you chose a very interesting film that I have not really seen all the way through. I've never forced myself to sit through it. Uh, mm. I never saw it on stage or anything, but you chose Flower Drum Song. Um, before we get into it, it this was released by Universal Pictures. And November 9th, 1961, directed by Henry Coster, adapted by Joseph Fields for the screen from the 1958 Broadway musical Flower Drum Song by Rodgers and Hammerstein, Hammerstein, Hammer Time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, And then based on the 1957 novel of the same name by Chinese-American author Chin Yang Li, I believe. Uh, This is the summary from Rotten Tomatoes. Chinese immigrants may lee played by Miyoshi Umeki, is that how you pronounce it? Umeki? Miyoshi Umeki, I guess. Uh, is betrothed to nightclub boss Sammy Fong, Jack Sue, but he wants to marry showgirl Linda Lowe, Nancy Kwan. To get out of the arrangement, Sammy pawns her off to wealthy, wealthy Master Wong, Benson Fong, as a fiancé to his song Wong Ta, Victor Sen Yong, and then Mei Li falls in love with uh, uh, Wong Ta, and want, he wants to pursue Linda, who wants to take a, 
take advantage of his affections to test Sammy's love. There's a lot going on in this story. Uh, and the film also stars uh, James Shigeta. Is that how to pronounce that? I hope so. Sorry if I'm butchering. And biracial actress Juanita Hall, who's half black and half white, who played Madame uh, um, Liang, I believe. And that was her final role. Um, uh, and then in this movie, Miyoshi and Juanita reprised their stage roles. Uh, Jack Su was uh, um, was also in the OG productions, I believe, but he's a different role for the stage. Um, and it's available to watch on Prime Video and available to run on iTunes. So with all that out of the way, Margaret, what is your connection to the Flower Drum song? I love this movie. Okay. I love this movie. It, you know, it has it all. It's so funny and fun. It's so mid-century. You have um, gorgeous kind of like throwbacks to sort of that uh, 1950s dance sequences. And um, it's got everything, you know, and it, it really is uh, the constant clash between recent immigrants and people who've been here for a while. Mm. And want to acclaim Americanness, and then and so it's um you know they they have these wonderful dance sequences at the Forbidden City, which is kind of the the nightclub that Jack Sue is at, and and uh, Nancy Kwan does amazing dance numbers, and and so ja and Jack Sue does some song and dance numbers as well, which is to me like I always wanted that Asian Rat Pack. You know, that that kind of Asian, like Las Vegas feel. I would I know that there actually was a club like the Forbidden City in San Francisco, but I think I was I was probably way too young to even entertain <laughs> going there. But I mm. love it. I love um, Nancy Kwan is incredible. She is. She is so gorgeous in this. And, um, you know, here in a position of very femme power, like. It's the direct opposite to like World of Susie Wong, where she's kind of like being rescued um, mm -hmm. by the sort of white savior narrative. Here, she's like owning it. She's like, I enjoy being a girl. I enjoy being a girl. This is like gender power, which yeah. it's like such a, a it's also a number that I've seen quite a few drag queens do over mm -hmm. the years. I enjoy being a girl. Because it is like talking about femininity as a performative art as opposed to uh, necessarily an identity or biology. Yeah. It's yeah. not that. It's like these are the things I enjoy about being a girl. It's not having a vagina <laughs> or having breasts. It's about having power yeah. over certain ideas and structures in society that um, I can get through the 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 protective armor of a knight so that I can get through um, male privilege with these things, you know, and it's such a powerful statement. So, you know, I love the songs. Um, to me, it's really actually not really problematic in, in that I accept, I accept all of it. I accept, um, you know, the weird, t the wife, uh, you're going to have this arranged marriage with his wife. So he does a teeth check. There's like a comedy bit. Where she has like, she opens her mouth to show that she's a suitable wife with a teeth Like a check. dog show. <laughs> Come here, my child. Let me look at you. Right off the assembly line, not a scratch on her. She has a good chin. The blessing of longevity. She's strong as a cow. And just as amiable. Thank you, my father. It's giving dog show. It's giving like, 
I have I have proper teeth so that I will be a good wife to you. And um, but it's that that kind of like we came over in a shipping container, which is how uh, they're sort of portrayed is that they come over from China in a shipping container. And that's how they're they immigrate, you know, so there's like things that are just I accept it as like, well, it's humor, but it's done in this sort of way of like, you know. (laughs) whatever it's so it's so campy the ridiculous thing that's the thing it's like so i knew of the you know the 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 controversies or the the divisive feelings about this movie and the many spoken word poets who have include asian spoken word poets who have included it in their verse you know it's like the flower drum song is this very interesting thing and when i was watching it I, I, I credit this to former podcast guest and um and critic film critic and host um uh Amy Nicholson uh she she said something to the effect she's like I I like watching old movies because she did the show with Revenge of the Nerds and she said it's context culture it's like all for that time this movie was absolutely bra- groundbreaking it was incredible mm-hmm. to see i when I, I wrote down in my notes when i was watching this i was all this was kind of like the crazy rich asians of 1961 basically right it was yeah it, absolutely yeah, it, yeah and they were every the background was all uh, not filipino but asian of some sort or a person of color one of the 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 young boy the uh the son is filipino is this filipino actor that i remember seeing um i think his name is patrick Last name begins with an A, uh, but he's been in like he was in the Hawaii episode of the Brady Bunch, <laughs> and and um it, it, yeah it, it, yeah it, yeah and it's just I was like all it, like every time he brings out the gong and you know I think I have to accept it we have to just accept that's how it was then and that's the only way yeah we probably could have gotten seen but I was just so enamored with I was like oh, oh man oh Nancy Kwan's so pretty you know it's like. Mm-hmm. She's so dreamy, and I love the sequence. She's so I love being beautiful. Yeah, it's I like... love, I love it, and I love like the the way that the sort of walls fall away, and then it's like it looks like still looks like a Broadway musical, even mm-hmm. though it's a movie. And um, you know, there's like touches of anti mame in there. There's a little bit of like you could see like Sid Charisse dance style sequences in there. Um, and James Shigeta is gorgeous. He's like the best leading man. He's so hot and is like the perfect um, counter leading man to Jack Sue, who's also really beautiful, but in a totally like wise and worldly way. Yeah. You know, so you have different ways of coding Asian American masculinity, which is so appealing and so different from anything that we see in film. And mm-hmm. so to me, um, it's really successful, but I have a way of like accepting a lot of the sort of problematic ideas of because I'm I straddle the line. Like I come from the show business where I played characters that didn't speak English. I played yeah. characters that were you know either servants or um, were kind of uh, oh shop owners or you know liquor store owners and that kind of thing because I didn't have an option. There were no other jobs available to me. So I can yeah. absolutely see like this is uh, an era of show business now that we're in for Asian Americans, which is totally different. And people are telling their stories and we are much more nuanced and able to have 
more variety of identity. But, you know, this was like, for me, like not possible back then. So this is like this film was like actually like really incredible for it predating my career. And of course, yeah. you know, so many of the people that are doing stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, And also, and, and it was just so interesting watching this as well, because I felt it wasn't exactly like it, but it was hitting similar beats of West Side Story. Because, you know, yes. they, 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 they talk about like being an immigrant. And then I love mm -hmm. there's something I love the routine of the generation, the ge uh, uh, the other generation I, song where it's the yeah, parents singing, yeah. and then the kids get to like sing. And I'm like, oh, the more I see of grownups, the less I want to grow. The more I see what they have learned, the less I want to know. And yet we've got to all grow up. There's no place else to go. I, I wonder, wonder why we're all so poor and they got all the like super duper talented like yeah uh, uh, watching this i was like it, it's a great celebration of that time of <laughs> cinema for one i like you i love this like mid-century modern like call me if this is bad but call me out if this is bad but i i kind of love this kind of hyper orientalism kind of thing yeah oh, this, i love like, it very, i love yeah, it this, this campy like i love formosa garden i'm not gonna lie like i love, uh, I love like, it too yeah I love that kind of, I don't agree with, you know, what it stands for, whatever, you know, what like fetishizing, whatever you want to call it. But I just love that feeling of like, oh, there's something very special about that to me, culturally, I guess you would say, I think from an American standpoint, I think. Well, I think <clears throat> it's, it's, it's great for us to go back and reclaim that as mm -hmm. a sense of like, with a sense of pride. Like we may not love the origins of this Orientalism, but at the same time, it's a way to feel seen. You know, it's like a way mm -hmm. to exist within the frame of white supremacy, even though it's like this fetishization. Still, it's pretty, like it's pleasing to my eye. Mm -hmm. And it also makes me feel, uh, I feel affectionate towards it. Like my parents growing up in our house, we had a lot of this Korean cabinetry with this of the metal corners, which are really sharp. They would really take out your knee if you banged into it. Like those mm. kinds oh, yeah. of things. I love like the locks on the doors of cabinets yeah, yeah. that have like the weird, there's like Chinese locks. And like, I love that kind of detail on my own furnishings. And so I love it in a film like this, where this which really like majestic. So yeah. To me, it's not, I, 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 like, we can look at the, again, like, I hate to say, I, you know, can we love the art and, and yeah. not the no. artist? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I think it, it definitely extends to design and all that. But I think I can love it in that, in this context, I still love it. Yeah. And I think, and it's not. Because I know, like, because I were watching when uh, Nancy or Linda Lowe does her, uh, her first routine, it varies, like, reminded me of we did another episode on a uh, uh, temple of doom raiders of uh, 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 indiana jones and the temple of doom where kate capshaw i think that's her right from uh, temple uh -huh, of doom uh, -huh. uh she does a routine almost exactly like nancy kwan in flower drum song yeah. in the beginning and then everyone's wearing the hats but they're all white women <laughs> it, it, yes it's a temple of doom and that's problematic to me but this one, yeah. there's just something like, oh, and we know it may have been like a white costume designer. I'm not sure, but they paid homage to it enough where it wasn't appropriating. It kind of like made it very campy and Broadway. That's how I felt about this. Yeah. I, 
I wrote in my notes again, I was all, I really miss very long, almost obnoxiously long dance numbers and interludes where like the dancing between like the characters are telling the story, like, like in this, it's just, that mm-hmm. stuff is so romantic to me and fun to me. I don't know why, or maybe it's just cause I'm gay. I'm not sure. <laughs> I love it. No, I love it. I I mean, this is a film that I will watch every year. I have a, for myself, I have a summertime um, backyard film series. Of course, I'm the only person that goes to it. But it's me and my dog. And so we'll watch this movie. We'll watch Sunset Boulevard. And sometimes we'll watch the Poughkeepsie, Poughkeepsie tapes. But that's oh. different. Um, <laughs> that's after midnight. But it's like, you know, there are certain films that just lend itself to sort of the grandeur of like, let's just actually celebrate this as an event, not just a film. It's an event to celebrate the idea of filmmaking and, you know, other stuff can happen in front of it. So I love the interludes. I love like when the film begins with a huge like, you know, musical interlude yes, before the film the even overture. starts. Yeah. The overture. And the intermission and, you know, I love that kind of stuff. But the dance sequences in this is great. I feel like Edith Head did the costumes, but I, I, oh, I may be wrong. It's like, it looks like Edith Head. Yeah. Yeah. It seems I like love, that because Edith yeah. had had that, like, eye. Yeah. Because, and I, I agree with you so much about Nancy Kwan. Uh, oh, she, she was giving me Diane Lane. She's like, she kind of looked like Diane Lane yeah. in this and like The Outsiders yeah. for some reason. Uh, uh, but it was yeah. very, that was oh my very God, much so a beautiful. look. Yeah. It was very much a look of that era. Yeah. And, um, I just love it. But the, the movie was very interesting because all these red flags of like, all, of course it does all, a lot of stuff, what happens and how they're played and, you know, Madame Liang ordering, you know, a dozen, you know, century old eggs, you know, and I need them fresh, you know, that kind of stuff. That's kind of yeah. like, okay. And it's like all again, it goes back to in context in when this was released, right? It was just like, yes, I was like, oh, I was just floored by the opening when she sings her flower drum song in the beginning and how everyone in that scene was Asian. Every single background. Everybody. It was like wild. Everybody. And this was such a huge hit at the time. Like and on Broadway, this was a absolutely revolutionary. It was such a huge hit. And then when the film came out, it was such a huge hit. And it it's like everybody's Asian except for Juanita Moore, who I I kind of I'm not real. I don't hate her in this. No, I really I think she's quite amazing in this. Is she, you know, okay. Oh, what, 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 wait, Juanita, Juanita Hall, right? Juanita Hall. Oh, Juanita, I mean, Juanita Hall. Hall. Who's Juanita Hall. Moore? Okay. Juanita Hall. <laughs> that sounds. Um, <laughs> Juanita um, Moore is that a drag queen? I think that's a drag queen. Um, Juanita Hall is uh, the the uh, played Madame Lee. But the thing is, I was like watching her, and I was like, I wonder what she's thinking. My sister's husband. Are you not dressed yet? Your knock is getting very weak, my wife's sister. Like I'm like, I was watching her. You could tell she was trying not to be a caricature, and that she was like, oh, I know this is a role that I have to respect. She's not Asian. Yeah, she's half black, half white, and I. I, I kind of respected the way she handled this position she was in because she is a probably yes. a culture. She knew nothing about, and she was just reading right. the lines. Yeah. I just wanted to know what was in her head. And this was her last role too, which is wild. She was really good in this. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm, I know that it is yellow face, but I don't mm-hmm. read it as that because she's not white. It's not like Catherine Hepburn. 
Yeah. Or something like that. You know, yeah. it's not like a, a pearlesque buck kind of the good earth sort of thing. Like yeah. it, there's something about it that is um it's not Mickey Bruni in Breakfast at Tiffany's. It's it's not to me it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say because I think it's just everyone she was put in this situation and it's just like Yeah. And I could just tell I I felt that she was trying to respect the role and the culture just yeah. because yeah it, yeah it felt like that and it's like the only way it would hurt the only thing that made her asian was her name i think but even her eye makeup mm-hmm. i think they tried to make it a little bit slanty but it still was i was like oh no that's a black woman <laughs> i was like <laughs> yeah 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 she's yeah. she's great in it too you know and i think oh that's probably like if we ever brought this in a very literal way back to life which I know has happened in different, a different kind of a different arc incarnation with Debbie Henry Wong did. Um, I would probably play play that role. Um, um, how you do? Yeah, I was gonna. Ask, yeah. Like, so you, is there another one you would want to play besides uh, Madame um, Mae? Yeah, Jack Sue, Jack oh, Sue's dope. character. Oh, dope. so but, I would play him, uh, or I'd play Ma- mm, Madame Liang. Mm, dope, dope. And I do want to like, I, I love what you said before about the Asian like Rat Pack and these men <laughs> were so, 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 so handsome. So, so sexy. Handsome. It's just, but in it, different it was... ways, like you could totally see why Nancy Kwan would be in love with Jack Sue. And oh. <laughs> um, it's, it, it's so, he's so hot. I, I wrote down when Jack Sue came on the screen, I put something like, uh, I, I, I put, uh, what did I put? I put Sammy is dope, question mark, <laughs> parentheses, swag. Like, he has this, like, cool uncle vibe thing going on. I don't know. I do know the man she's engaged to marry. Man, he's a jerk. I'll break his rice bowl. He's just sexy. Like, he's just, like, world-weary, and then you want to see a smile on that, you know, kind of, like, sad face. He's sort of like a sad-faced <laughs> clown. Um, yeah. You know, he's got that thing of like Lenny Bruce sort of quality. He's got that <laughs> nightclub comedian from the 60s quality. Yes. It's just super cool. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, I think while watching this, I mean, of course, like working in entertainment and working at Deadline and, and all that, like I, 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 I've come to terms with me watching film and TV differently from now on. It's like, oh, I can never mm-hmm. turn it off, you know? So it's like, oh, I was watching this and I was just like, oh, it's it's so cringy to watch. I, I mean, for a lot of people it would be cringy, but mm-hmm. I think what you said is just like, oh, you kind of just like forgive it. It's just like, and mm-hmm. I think that's like this thing about this, you know, cancel culture, whatever you want to call it is just, just like, okay, context, like what was happening at the time well, in terms of like films and stuff like that It's like. We and then doing this podcast like taught me. I'm like, oh, oh wow, almost everything I probably watched when I was younger is probably horrible. Everything is like horrible. Everything you know, like in terms of like representation and like the treatment of women and like how they handle everything. It's just like, oh, there's always going to be something, and nothing, nothing's like ever going to be perfect, and something is going to be dated as soon as it's released, right? So yeah, watching this like after a while, I was just like, oh, oh this is. Just having a good time, right? <laughs> it's like the, 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 and then it's just a Hollywood movie. That's how I was looking at it. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like a very um, y- you have to like relinquish your uh, modern mind 
in a way and think back to how appreciated this, you know, like as um, an Asian American, never seeing ourselves in any capacity. And then to come upon a film like this that is from before we were even born. So incredible. Like that to me is really exciting, juxtaposed to a film like Jade, also in San Francisco in the Mm. 90s, no Asian people. You have Angie oh. Everhart in a Chung Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Which is no, so yeah. funny. Yeah. It's so funny. No, and I do like what stuck to me here is that whoever adapted the screenplay, I really liked. You know, there are problems with, you know, like being betrothed, but also Linda Lowe, Nancy Kwan's character, she had like this certain power over all of you know her femininity her womanhood she was unapologetic she's super progressive and she didn't seem like she needed saving she like chose you know this whereas <laughs> i feel like may lee was more of like the poster child of what people would like see as subservient and you know of right. that era um but at the same time they still had i want to say both those female characters had some sort of agency over their will there, you know, I feel like they were ahead of its time in terms of writing in that era. Um, yeah. But and mainly gets yeah. James Shigeta, who's so gorgeous. Like, yes. you know, like that's the thing. It's like, he's so beautiful and it's just such a great, it's such a great combination. And then she gets sort of modernized too. You know, she gets to wear the little dress and gets sort of that pixie hair. So she yeah. gets to get, come become an updated version of herself as well. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just um, so much of it. I I think I appreciate in terms of feminism there as well. Like even though it mm-hmm. is like this weird arranged marriage thing, and it, it you know, but I like that's I'm all sort of fine with me. Yeah, and those are like just things that like we can't avoid about the Asian diaspora. That there are certain things that are we can't help because that was how it was. And, you know, that doesn't mean we have Mm -hmm. to do it now kind of thing. Uh, 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 But, you know, but if you still do it, more power to you, you know, that that, that kind of stuff. But I love the whole identity of this all because I think that's going to be a constant struggle with a lot of Asian narratives. Or it's always like in it somehow about, you know, not being Asian enough, not being American enough. I do like even in 1961, we were seeing this very interesting dynamic of like, um, oh, you're you're like basically they're they're literally fobs, you know, you know, fresh mm-hmm. off the boat, and and treating them mm-hmm. as such, and saying this was more about assimilation rather than integration. I think that was kind of what I I, I saw this as, but like I would say, if this were made today, they would definitely lean into the integration of it all because I think the assimilation story of like, oh, this is how being American is, and this is the you know. Uh, um, this is how you should be. But but eventually the movie the kind of strays away from that. And I kind of appreciate because I thought I knew it where it was going, but it ended up being I'm like, oh, oh no, everyone's happy, but still kind of maintain some sort of identity that they didn't lose themselves. Yes. Yeah. It's also about class struggle as well. Mm, like it's yeah. like does class actually mean more than um being from the old country. So this idea of like being wealthy and looking down on the show business class. I want you to report this to the American government. I want two soldiers to guard my house day and night. You are not a feudal lord. This is not China. For five years, you have gone to that citizenship school and all you have learned is this is not China. Or 
and somehow uplifting them up more, even though the you know the people who came over from the shipping container still yeah. are still higher class wise than the people who are making money in the nightclub. So it's mm-hmm. a very uh, interesting juxtaposition of like how does our Americanness combined with our um, wealth combined with all these ideas of class, and then ultimately realizing that this is all for the white gaze. On mm. top of it all, even though there's no white faces um, on screen, yeah. the the white faces are watching the film. This is completely constructed so that white audiences can understand more about what it means to be Asian American. Why are you not in school? It's Saturday. Always some excuse. And I think it does actually successfully show a lot of things that that is the experience. I mean, like that again. I, I like watching this. It's like I'm like, oh, but what, what does this all mean? You know, it's just like, uh, but but also, I think also there are times when you know you like the dance routines, like all that. It's like, oh, I, this is just. It does speak. It's like, oh, this was our Asian Hollywood movie. I feel this was like, yeah. this is like the gold. This is if we were gonna look at, and then yeah, this was put in the National Registry. We'll get into that later. But the as problematic as it is. You know, in terms of like, what would it fly today? Problematic, I feel. You know, uh, it's just a fun movie to watch. I mean, mm-hmm. it's there's a reason why drag queens do. I love being a girl. It's like, and this song, yeah. this, this, it's like there's something so queer about this as well. Of course, you know, of the era. Yes. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I, I think what I walked away from is just like. It, it, kind of this still struggling about this kind of like assimilation integration kind of stuff within our within the asian culture as a whole and then within our own asian diasporas you know like whether filipina korean or 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 whatever to become an american citizen it took her five years she was chinese in nine months i have interesting opinions about the asian representation of it all um i do feel like the asian community is in like this interesting place uh where we have a spotlight yet we don't know who to give it to or know how to share it or know mm-hmm. where, you know, we don't know what to do with this newfound visibility. Therefore, I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of us just say, okay, we're visible, we're done kind of thing. That's how I yeah. feel sometimes. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how. Uh, yeah. yeah. I think it's 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 interesting because everything's just forming. So mm-hmm. it's like Hawaii. We're just forming our islands right now and the lava is still cooling and we're trying to figure out who's like the big island and who's going to be Oahu. You know, like (laughs) we're just sort of like figuring out the archipelago of what is actually going to exist. And Mm -hmm. I think it's a really exciting thing. But we can look back at the landmass that is Flower Drum Song and be very excited about how progressive it actually feels. Of course, there's problems with it. There's so many. But, you know, it's like still like, there's so many great things to look back and think, wow, they made this. They got to make this. In 1961. And basically, they were making this in, yeah. in, in the 50s, still the 50s. Yeah. You know? oh, yeah. So, you know, they're absolutely able to do this right kind of like after the Korean War, before Vietnam. So this is sort oh, wow. of like in this very strange time, you know, and just like the Japanese internment had just happened like 20 years past or 15 years before before that. So we had already such a difficult relationship with Americanness already as Asian Americans. So for this grand of a film to be made in the way that it was is so progressive to think about. So 
it is, of course, there's problems, but there's so many great things to celebrate and look back on. No, I, I didn't think of that, what you just said. It was like, it's like sandwiched between these two kind of wars that marginalize our communities even mm -hmm. further. So it's kind of like this glimmer of light in the middle, right? And, right, uh, uh, right. Yeah, that kind of like happened. It's like, oh, look, and I feel like it's, history tends to repeat itself, right? You know, we had like kind of this Asian wave of crazy rich Asian stuff. And then like the, the Asian hate stuff started, COVID started happening. Like COVID started happening. Mm -hmm. I remember Mulan was the last, I went to the premiere of Mulan. That was the last movie I saw in the theater because that week of the premiere, we went into shutdown. Uh, it, it, wow. it, 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 it was wild. So it was just like, it, it, there's this interesting symmetry happening with I, I feel like the flower drum song like now my nerdy ass is like oh, oh my god this I, I want to like know the like the oral history of this movie I want I, I like imagine like being on set during that time seeing Nancy Kwan. so incredible yeah so incredible like, well she was probably like um I mean she probably has a lot to say she's still alive yeah she is and uh, <gasps> she's here she thinks she's in Southern California I've, I've never met her. I would really, I would really love to meet her. I've met quite a few of the, the amazing ones like Sai Chin and, um, wow. you know, yeah, I've met like some of the really sort of like great people, but I would really, I would really love to meet her. She's just, she's so yeah. cool. I know it's like, oh, she is a trained dancer. So like, and you could totally tell when she's like dancing, mm -hmm. it's just like, yeah. She's just I'm like all I mean I mean I I love you know anime Wong and everything but it's like a lot of people forget yeah. I'm like Nancy Kwan's here and she so she, great she was just so good to watch and I I just was like of course just watching this and writing copious notes and you know uh, the whole song about chop suey was interesting to me <laughs> you are like the Chinese dish the Americans invented chop suey chop suey living here. Very much like chop suey. It's such a weird chop suey. Yeah. That, chop suey. It's such a weird song. It's so it's funny. Like, if I if I could see this whole thing done by drag queens, I would love. Yes, e even absolutely. the extras in the background, all drag queens. Yes, I would love a full flower drum song, Asian drag queen production. So whoever's listening, please. Um, uh, 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 make that happen. Um, no, but, um, yeah, so let me see. So, like, the box office for Flower Jump Song, apparently, I was trying to do some research on this. There is no, nothing on Box Office Mojo about this because usually the box office count goes way back to like the, you know, but there's no evidence of what, of like, uh, if the money lost money or turned a profit. So there's no uh, word on that. But it did have a $4 million budget, according to an article in the New York Times from April 30th, 1961, which was a lot back in the day, $4 million, uh, for especially mm -hmm. for uh, of the production of this size. <clears throat> but um, according to China and the West, music representation and rep reception, it earned $5 million in U.S. and Canada rentals. Like, mm -hmm. so far, I guess. I don't know. It was released on VHS in 1986, Laserdisc in 1992, and then on DVD in 2006 with extra features uh, with interviews with Katsuzuki, Nancy Kwan, 
well, I really want to buy that now. And then there's a yeah, Blu-ray. I want to buy that. Yeah, yeah. There's That's also great. a Blu-ray for uh, that was released May twenty fourth, two thousand twenty two. So not uh not not mm. too long ago. I'm gonna yeah, yeah that's I'm gonna great. Buy that now. Um, have to get that. Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes score. If that is seventy eight percent on the tomato meter, which is certified fresh, audience score mm-hmm. is seventy two percent. It was nominated for five Academy Awards, but they were all below the line. Uh, no acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were um art best art direction, cinematography, costume design, scoring, and sound. Um, Golden Globes though best motion picture nomination. And Miyoshi got a nomination for Best Actress. And Mm -hmm. uh, this was the first major Hollywood feature to have a majority Asian-American cast. Uh, Yes. And it was not until 30 years later we would get Joy Mm Luck Club um, Mm -hmm. around the time as All-American Girl. Shout out. That's right. And um, and then not again until... 2018 for crazy rich asian so not crazy it's so crazy (laughs) it's so crazy to think about that like that's it like it's so weird so like uh joy like like 1961 1993 and then 2018 what happened i mean it's so crazy asian films but there were probably studios not studio films yeah but yeah not studio films and not majority asian american yeah, I mean that's just—it's so bizarre. It, it's, and I'm like, oh, do we have to wait another thirty years? No, <laughs> sure. no, it, we can't. It's not going to be like that anymore. I can't. I mean, we we can't. We have Fire Island. Yeah. Duh. That's right. Duh. Mm-hmm. And it's queer, so that makes it even better. Uh, even better. <laughs> yeah. Um, and in 2008, the Flower Drum Song was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry in the Library of Congress. Um, there have been, of course, people have found the film offensive years mm-hmm. later because we have evolved as humans. Yeah. Um, and um, someone, oh, they're here. Uh, David Henry Wong who revised the musical for uh, the 2001 yeah. revival. Um, he said of the movie version, he has a secret soft spot and it's kind yeah. of a guilty pleasure for him. I don't yeah, think it's a guilty course. pleasure. I think... I this, don't. I for think, me, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I think optics, I guess. It's not even optics. It's just like they're telling this like very good story, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting story. Although the love entanglement gets a little bit confusing to me i'm like oh wait who are you in love with because they keep going back and forth no i think it's i i i mean i don't think of it as a guilty pleasure but i mean david henry huang did um you know he did he did another version of it which i think is like you know updating this idea of the the film and i i lean more into the soft spot of it and the excitement that i have whenever i watch it now because I also am a mid-century lady. I love the mid-century aesthetic. And I never get to see Asian people in the mid-century aesthetic. So to me, it's like so exciting. So I, I think it's, I, it's, I'm very into it in that, like the aesthetic of it, the the magic of it. I love the songs, everything. So I, I, I still love it. And I know that people have problems with it. But that's great, too. I, you know what? Honestly, I like this better than Miss Saigon. If we're going to be honest, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I think Miss Saigon is highly problematic. And I think there's a reason why it hasn't been made into a film yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, 
I recently watched it like two or three years. When I was at Deadline, I rewatched Miss Saigon and I wrote a whole piece. Of course, I got a lot of people coming for me. I'm like, oh, but this Miss Saigon is horrible. It's not only like exploiting this like woman ex- exploiting this war and exploiting this whole mm-hmm. community. And I'm like, yeah. ew. But yeah. not going to lie, songs are banging. <laughs> songs are, are so banging. <laughs> You know, songs are so good. Everybody's in it so talented. It's not about that. It's just more like it is, again, the white savior narrative that we see time and time again. Anytime we have a film with Asian protagonists, like it's like that we need to be rescued by white people. And that's always going to have a negative effect on a film for me. Yeah. No matter what the film, no matter the quality of it, you know, um, so it's like. I just have like it's something like The Killing Fields, yeah. which I think is a great movie and has the most legendary performance from Dr. Hong S. Noor, who had mm-hmm. previously had been the first Asian-American actor to receive or Asian, Asian actor to receive an Academy Award. So that was like a very beautiful film, great performances. But again, it's a white savior narrative yeah. that is going to have a count against it no matter what historically. But Flower Drum Song does not. That's like, that's the thing. That's kind of what keeps you kind of, if you even watching it now, it keeps you plugged in because they're nary a white yep. savior on screen. There is no, is nary, there? Nary, nary a one. <laughs> no, there's not even, not maybe Juanita, Juanita Hall half, but she's, she's black. So it's like kind of, I don't, I don't count that. Like, yeah. no, there's not, there's nary a one. It's, it's, it's so, that's kind of why I, gave it so much of everything else yeah. it was just like oh y'all were given this freedom but there were yeah. parameters to those freedoms and you could tell of course because yeah. people behind the camera were white and the audience is white yeah so that's the that's the thing that's a parameter you know yeah. that you have to remember but mm. at the same time it's a great film it's so beautiful y'all watch it on prime video it's 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 beautiful i was i was skeptical I was skeptical and then I watched it and then as soon as I like it's just a yes, move past all the racism and and the the the, the getting to America in a crate on a boat. And coming that, on a shipping car container and then getting a teeth trick. The weird it's just so weird how she stands up on a little like pedestal and then opens her mouth to get teeth checked. It's so upsetting for a wife and then because they did that for, in slavery yeah. enslavement times as well which it's is so just like, horrible oh, it's like oh we do <laughs> i mean that's the whole point of this thing it's like oh, the more i'm glad that i started this podcast because there are these movies that i'm just like oh uh, i would never but now you watch it and yeah. you're just like oh, oh like last week we did boys don't cry and that movie is amazing but also oh, yeah yeah there's I couldn't watch the scene. Like there, there are multiple scenes where I had oh, to yeah, leave yeah. the room, and I, because it's I'd, super upsetting. Yeah, yeah. But at the it's same so upsetting. time, it's like for that time, seeing a movie like that from a woman, yeah, and, you know, from for, about great. a trans person was like, oh, that's kind of amazing. Yeah. even though it was hard to watch. But this it one is. is like, yeah, it's a, uh, it's an amazing film. This one's a this this one's this fun one's to watch. Fun. Yeah, it's a little bit tragic this one is, to watch. It, yeah, that the fact that they pass that off as humor is the thing that's upsetting to me. <laughs> you <know>? Yes, yes. <laughs> I was just like, okay, come on. And also, 
They use the term, y'all forgive me for saying this. They term use the term what back in this a lot. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> See? Our producers are shocked. Yeah. Awful. I- I didn't know that was a blanket statement, a derogatory statement yeah. for all immigrants. So some things may be triggering in this, guys, but it's with a little bit of tinkering. I think this movie it could totally be a rom musical rom-com today, right? Yeah. 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 And so fun. And it's just, you know, it's just it really deserves a watch. It deserves um, a place in our history you know, to look mm. back on it. It's a, it's almost like the precursor to all of those, like what, like later in the 70s and 80s and they had a crime show, there would be trouble in Chinatown. Yes. And like the, you know, the white <laughs> male detective would fall in love with like the Asian woman working at like the, the curio shop or the shop of <laughs> the cures shop. or whatever. <laughs> the tea shop. You know, there was all, the this den. sort of like, the opium den. There's always like that thing, that, you know, so like, yes, yeah, 70s, 80s, 90s and 2000s, you know, they were always going to have a, a show where there's trouble in Chinatown. Yeah. And so, it was, oh, you yeah, know, I love it. I love those episodes, though. I, I, think I always they, love those episodes. I, I think they went to Chinatown in an episode of 21 Jump Street. I'm sure they did multiple times. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I was just watched the other day. I did a movie with Dustin Wen um, for <clears throat> Gregoraki, the Doom Generation. Oh, and we get uh, we get murdered as uh, like Korean store owners, convenience store owners. We get murdered by um, <laughs> it's like so and it, I mean, it is like you look at you're like, I can't believe and it's all it's full of like very racist jokes. But it's Greg's make Greg Iraqi's Japanese American so filmmaker. He's making yeah. it. And it's me and Dustin in it, you know, I, and I look back and I'm like, I can't believe. This is a this was like what we were doing, but this is we felt like we were being very transgressive. And I guess we are. We are still, you know, it's not problematic. It's more like aggressive aggre- using the racism as a weapon too. Yeah. It's no, interesting. I, and it's like all that stuff, you know, that using kind of reclaiming kind of using racism as a weapon, that there's always that fine line, right? It's like oh how like there's mm-hmm. you always have to be mindful of how you're doing it. But that's exciting though. It's like but um but yeah, I, I just I think Flower Drum song kind of like all it, thank you for letting me watch it because <laughs> making me watch it <laughs> I never sat through it all the way through and I was just like so oh, good. oh I'm glad I watched this. And I'm like, I think a lot of people avoid to watch it because they're just like, oh, oh it's going to be racist. And I was like, yes, it is because it's in 1961. And also, yeah, but it's there's great. No it. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just like, oh, there are so many Asian faces. They're also like, I like clocked a couple Filipinos in the background, too. You know, yeah. it's just like, they yeah. were filming in L.A. And it, obviously there were a lot of Filipinos here at that time. And it's just like uh, it, and it's just so interesting to see kind of how i mean i was just like really fantasizing i was like really how was it like on that set how was it you know how did these the energy how did these actors and background actors feel uh did they know that they were doing something important because you knew the crazy rich asians cast knew they were doing something important in 2018 yeah yeah of course like nancy kwan and i'm like oh i'm like i wonder if she knew what she was doing i don't think she did I don't know. You know, it's hard no. to know. I, I mean, mm. she's such an interesting figure in, in our history and Asian cinema. And like, we just, 
we never asked her. We we didn't have a chance to ask Anna May Wong, but we still do have a chance to ask Nancy Kwan. So I yeah, would love to ask let's her. Start let's start stalking. I'm gonna stalk <laughs> her. She's let's so play. cool. I she seems I did look her up and she looks she still looks beautiful now and cool. She hell. looks great. Yeah. Um yeah. but um are there any final thoughts you wanna depart with a, a, a flower drum song? Anything else you wanna say before we wrap up? I just love this movie. I love movies like this. I love a Technicolor moment. I love um, these are the things that you would go see at the Castro Theater mm. on um, Lunar New Year or something. It, it's a great, great film to see with people. I love films like this, like like this or, um, you know, Auntie Mame, of course. Um, always Jennifer Prefer Blondes. Jennifer mm. Prefer Blondes is so queer to me, actually. I need um, to watch that again. Another one I haven't back. watched all the way through. Yeah, it's especially the scenes with Jane Russell in the gym. It's yeah. so queer. The whole film okay. is very queer. It's really it's about <laughs> hustlers. It's really good. Nice. I, I just love it. Um. So, yeah, I think that there's something like about these old big movie musicals that we're missing. I, I, I love that there's like remakes and stuff. But at the same time, we need to go back to the, the source material. It's so fun. It is. I mean, I think like. Damien Chazelle tried to capture that with La La Land, and he did to a certain extent, but I was like, oh, multiple watches of that. I can't watch that movie more. Like, after watching it, I watched it at Toronto, I remember, and I was like, yay! But also watching a film during a festival is a totally different experience than watching mm -hmm. it in a press screening in a room with, like, three other yeah. journalists. And yeah, you, and it's just like, oh, oh, excuse me, this movie wasn't as exciting as I thought it was, but I love me a number. That's why I love John M. Chu and how he could stage such big, like, in the Heights, a lot of people didn't like it, but I, that pool, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it, where uh, there's a huge pool scene where it's like everyone is dancing and he knows how to create good court because he did all the Step Up movies. Give me a Step <laughs> Up movie. Yeah, Give me I a love Step it. Up movie. Honey, I love it. starring Jessica Alba. <laughs> Uh, I love it. I love a, I love a bring it on. I love a cheerleading like bring it on moment. So yes, I we love had it. we discussed bring it on on this podcast with JoJo T. Gibbs. Oh yeah, yeah, so good. That one's that one's good too. But um, Margaret, thank you so much for joining me. I love seeing you. Love talking to you. Love chatting with you. Love what you're doing. Um, are you still on the socials? What is your social media behavior like these days? I am on um, Instagram at Margaret underscore Cho on TikTok at the Margaret Cho and I and Twitter at Margaret Cho. So yes, I'm out there. MargaretCho.com is where you can buy tickets for my tour live and livid. I'm out there. I'm going everywhere. So come see me anytime. Yeah. Uh, we're recording this right now in like June. We're still in the middle of Pride. Where are you where are you heading to next? Uh, next for, for week I'm going to yeah. Jacksonville. Oh <laughs> Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> And um, Asheville, North Carolina. And um, then beyond that, we'll see. We, you know, we'll, um, everywhere, all over, we'll see. Okay. Oh, dope. Well, thanks again, Margaret. Thank you for introducing us and giving us a new take on the Flower Drum song. <laughs> um, Thank great. you. And we'll see you all soon. Thank you all for listening. Problematic Fave podcast is presented by Diaspora and is created, hosted, and produced by Dino Ray Ramos. The series is also produced by Sanjay Sharma of Marginal Media Works and edited by Brian Aguilar. Special thanks to Cam. 
Subscribe to Problematic Fave on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate us. Diaspora is a media platform that amplifies intentionally exploited communities through its work. Follow Diaspora at Real Diaspora on Instagram and Twitter or visit thediasporatimes.com. Follow Marginal at M-R-G-N-L Media on Instagram. You can send us all your problematic faves on social or email us at thisisdiaspora at gmail.com.